G'day guys, CB here. We're excited to be back after a few weeks away. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chewing the Fat. Today, I had an awesome chat with JY about sleep. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you haven't already. And you can find us on Instagram at chewingthefat underscore podcast. Hope you enjoy. G'day guys and welcome back to Chewing the Fat with CB and Jay White. I am CB, Chris Bryson. And I am Jay White, James Young. Chris, it's been a while mate, how are you? It has been a while mate. It's been a rollercoaster of a month since our last episode. Um, we had the highs of cracking through the, uh, the preliminary final barrier and, and finally seeing the Cats make a granny and the, the terrible, terrible lows of, of getting uh, comfortably beaten by Richmond mate. It was, uh, it was a tough couple of weeks. And I've, uh, I've had the highs of, uh, you know, watching you guys get beaten in a grand final and uh, enjoying everything that came with the Tigers Premiership win. It's good to see. We've copped about three years of the Tigers carrying on, so what's one more year? Couldn't have done, could not have done a moment of the Cats uh, celebrating because, my Lord, this, uh, this podcast would have just been on a greater hiatus if it had. Wow, I was actually excited to talk to you today. <laughs> Now I'm not at all. I'm joking, um, mate. You know I love you and I love your team. Um, well, that's actually that's a strong word. We're, uh, we're really excited to get back uh, and stuck into the podcast. Um, we've had a fair few people, especially those in uh, Mauritania. I've yes. done it. I've got the name right. In Mauritania, who've been uh, sending us emails and telling us to um, you know get back in the airwaves. So today we've decided that uh we are going to discuss sleep and the effects that sleep can have both on our training our health and uh give you guys some practical tips and how you can improve your sleep it's um it's actually quite ironic jay i'm here this morning and by the way i'm so excited that we're here in your lovely apartment face to face finally not doing these over zoom um actually a bit more social connection with the ease and lockdown in melbourne but it is a little bit ironic that we're we're recording a sleep podcast today and i've had two absolutely awful nights of sleep right behind me um, but for a good reason, we've, uh, we've welcomed a little puppy into our household. Um, little Summer the Whippet has been uh, a fantastic addition and um, uh, I'm so glad we've got her in our lives. But um, she's kept me up all night the last two nights. So I'm slightly sleep deprived, ironically, to record a sleep podcast. And mate, I'm a bit disappointed because you came to Bayside Athletic yesterday. So Chris has been a huge part of uh, the team down at uh, BA with uh, Rushy and I. And um, you told me that you called it Scoops McDog. And I actually believed you for a second there. So, what is this? I did want to name it after you, um, but then I tried to put fake tan on the little puppy and she said, no, get it off me. So, I just felt like it wasn't appropriate. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that to a dog, mate. That's uh, that's probably animal cruelty. But I don't think Ellie would have uh, definitely wanted the dog to be called Scoops either. So. No, no, that was probably and, and not knowing you, it's always what the missus says. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, cheap shots. I've really thought I'd miss these podcasts, James. I really did. About four weeks and... You know, sitting here on my hands waiting, so here we are. Oh, God. Okay, well, let's get into it. As you said, we're here to discuss sleep, and we're going to discuss sleep um, for a couple of really important reasons. Obviously, we are a health and fitness podcast, um, and we spend almost a third of our lives sleeping, so it is one of the most important aspects of our health and fitness, and we want to chat today a little bit about why that's the case. Absolutely. So, probably the biggest thing uh, that um, I see uh, in my work with, um, you know, the general population is that sleep is something they probably don't prioritize um but people are pretty quick to um you know mention injuries and illnesses that they may have 
um, and look at the, the quickest way that they can fix them. Um, and it's often sleep that can give them the you know the greatest um, benefit or can be the biggest net gain if they focus on it. And unfortunately, for some reason in society, um, well, there are reasons which we will get you know stuck into, but we just don't seem to prioritise our sleep, do we? We don't, mate. And there is an overwhelming amount of research that's been looked into sleep and, and importantly, the negative aspects of sleep deprivation. Um, I want to talk about a few of those today, and especially in my world of physiotherapy. Um, sleep is, is simply massive, and there's so much research that tells us that a chronic lack of sleep is significantly associated with um, a significant spike in injury risk in all sorts of populations, particularly in adolescents. Um, there's some research that tells us that adolescents who sleep less than 8 hours per night are 1.7 times more likely to get injured than those who sleep 8 or more, so nearly twice as likely if they're getting less than 8 hours a night. Um, sleeping less than 6 hours a night is hugely associated with fatigue related injuries in young athletes particularly. Um, sleep loss impairs muscle, muscle protein synthesis which can impair training adaptations of power, strength um, and speed. Um, partial sleep deprivation can reduce athletic performances and have larger effect on sustained exercise rather than single maximal effort. So, you know, short burst exercises, we can sort of get away with it a bit more, but it's the endurance aerobic type exercises that sleep deprivation can have a really big impact on. Um, lack of sleep has been correlated with decreased um, accuracy and skill execution in sports such as basketball and tennis. Um, you know, not only the physical stuff, sleep deprivation also alters cognitive performance and impairs our attention, our memory, short-term memory and long-term memory as well as decision-making. Um, and you know, it also does things like increase our pain perception, change our mood, alter our metabolism, increase inflammation um, and impair immunity. So yeah, that's what if I just said 15 or 20 points there just off the top of my head that um, sleep deprivation can have a negative effect on, like it's this is serious stuff and obviously this is why we're talking about it today. Yeah, absolutely. And you rarely ever get someone who will come up to you and say, you know, look, I am feeling X, Y, Z um, and that's because of my sleep or my sleep is playing a big impact, you know, on my, uh, on my yeah, negative health. And a lot of that's to do with the fact that we sort of, we prioritise our work, our social lives, um, you know, <laughs> scrolling through Instagram late at night, um, you know, whatever it might be over actually getting to sleep. And we seem to also then just not correlate this lack of sleep or this poor sleep. There's another another important point is that sometimes it's not, it's not quantity, but the quality of your sleep. Um, there are a lot of great people throughout history um, who have slept off, or who have lived off very little sleep. Uh, Abraham Lincoln used to only sleep for five hours a night. And he was the president of the United States and used to, you know, regularly speak about how, you know, how well he slept. And um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just not something that we seem to ever really um, look at in depth. We always are quick to, you know, blame other factors and not our sleep. So. Um, Abraham Lincoln was actually a huge fan of the show. He so was. He was. this episode. He was. I, um, I really loved what he did at the, um, the Battle of... Um, of what? Waterloo? No, that wasn't him, was it? Not sure, mate. Right, well, this is an American History podcast. It is a health and fitness podcast. Thank God for that. Now, a question that I get asked so, so, so commonly, and I think I've answered thousands of times in my professional life, is what's the best way that we can recover from injuries, um, from training, from sport? And there's so many different recovery strategies out there, you know, compression, massage, foam rollers, ice baths, recovery pump pants, cryotherapy, um, you know, all sorts of weird and wonderful tools that are getting popularized on Instagram. Theraguns are a massive one now. Oh, no. um, people love going down to all these fancy ways for recovery to get the extra 1% on their competition, make their bodies feel a little bit better. And all these things might have their place, and you know, there's pros and cons of all these things, but 
time and time and time again, people skip over the fact that sleep is the single most important recovery strategy that we have, and it's the most single most important injury prevention tool as well, arguably, that we have. Um, you know, a, a classic thing that I see, um, you know, having played local football for a, for a number of years at a very, very below standard level, um, is that often local footy teams would have um, Sunday morning beach recovery, and then all, you know, meet down at Port Melbourne Beach in the freezing cold on, you know, 10 or 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning to put, get themselves in the water and get the extra one or two percent in terms of recovery. And while that might offer some benefits, the literature on that stuff is a little bit contentious. They'd be doing this after being at nightclubs till four or five in the morning, getting two or three hours sleep, setting an alarm, waking up and going into the ocean, thinking they're doing their best for recovery and they're doing an extra one percent. Well, it's like, you know, they've missed the boat, essentially. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's, um, again, like I've said, it's just... Um we can't stress the importance of sleep enough and how sleep isn't that extra one to two percent like you the things you've listed before there you know like yes theraguns are crucial and i think we all should have a theragun um, <laughs> i was gonna i wasn't gonna laugh but you know i, 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 I tried um but the um you know it's not the extra one to two one to two percent like sleep is literally like you said we sleep for a third of our life so we could almost put sleep down to about 33 percent you know of the pie it is crucial and you know the more that you focus on your sleep the better your results are going to be and i'm not just talking in terms of health and fitness i'm talking in terms of life like you are a stronger more resilient human being when you sleep like you said cognitive function is improved with sleep and you know we are able to learn skills greater you know the habits that we've spoken about a few podcasts ago um which was probably about 84 years ago um, on one of our last pods um, you know it's easier to you know adapt and create new habits when you know you're able to function better so yes yeah I like it mate now the two golden questions I suppose when it comes to sleep is one how much sleep do we need and two what's the best ways to get it um, now unfortunately we don't have you know miracle answers for these questions today but we do have some general guidelines that hopefully are helpful now how much sleep do we actually need um, research suggests the average amounts of sleep needed by an adult is around 8.25 hours but it's important to note that this varies greatly from person to person okay so there's always talk about this golden sort of idea of getting eight hours a night is the most important thing we can do and we need to you know turn our lives upside down to get eight, get eight hours and some people may need that and that's fantastic but a lot of people don't a lot of people need less and some people need more as well so um a really general guideline we can get from the sleep health foundation um recommends somewhere between seven to nine hours for adults of night seven to nine hours it's a two-hour window like it's quite a big gap but that's the nature is that as humans we all different quite a quite a lot um, and it varies a hell of a lot person to person so somewhere between seven to nine hours is going to be the sweet spot for adults um, sleep needs are higher when we're younger so i mentioned a few things earlier about you know adolescents adolescent athletes particularly um, it's recommended that teenagers get at least eight if not ten hours of sleep per night um, and for children like primary school age nine to eleven so essentially the younger we are the more sleep we need um, and it you know does diminish a little bit as we get older um, but as you said it's not just about the quantity of sleep it's also about the sleep um, you know we touched on recovery as well um, post sport post training post injuries etc um, as a general rule of thumb for, for athletes we generally recommend that they aim for 15 hours of quality sleep in the two nights following a match or a heavy training session or a competition so mm-hmm. you can sort of really prioritize that and get it you know average seven and a half hours for the two nights following something that's significant they need to recover from for athletes that's also a really good rule of thumb and uh, you said it earlier when you spoke about amateur footballers and nightclubs um, which is, you know, they go hand in hand, don't they? 
um, especially CQ nightclub maybe. Um, what so place. what a place. Um, I said that sarcastically. Um, the time spent sleeping is even more beneficial when it's before midnight. I don't know, look, it's not that it has to be before midnight, but suddenly at midnight all sleep, shit if you go to bed after that. It's more the fact that you are more likely, there is a huge correlation between better quality sleep pre-midnight because generally you're going to go through a routine, which we'll again, we'll speak about very soon. Um, that'll allow you to have a quality sleep. So I know my uh, dear mother, bless her soul, she always used to say to me when I was young, she was that a an hour of sleep before midnight was worth uh, was worth two. And like, look, there is no statistics and no actual research to back that up. However, generally, you'll find that the uh, the sleep that is that is taken pre midnight will lead to better quality sleep through the hours after midnight. If you go to bed after midnight, generally, you know, it means that you're going to probably have been pretty stimulated pre-sleep, have a poor quality, uh, you know, poor quality rest, and then, you, you know, you're not really going to get the deep REM sleep that we want. So REM, great band, by the way. Do you know what REM stands for? Um, rapid Eye Movement. Yes. Yeah. Is the, the band named after Rapid Eye Movement? The band is named after Rapid Eye Movement. Because I was always a trick question, like, I know what the REM sleep yeah. stands for, but is that what the band Yeah, that's literally for? what they, they, uh, that they stand for. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I felt a bit of REM after Geelong lost the grand final. Everybody hurts. Oh, <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> that was good. All right, so how do we go about getting um, an adequate night's sleep in JY? Um, I want to talk today about something called sleep hygiene. Now, hygiene is a pretty common thing. We all have a shower every day and brush our teeth every day. We'll we do. Our listeners do. Um, and hygiene is something that we're all very, very used to, uh, to get ourselves functioning as, as normal people in society. But sleep hygiene is something that a lot of people aren't, you know, Think about all the time, um, and there are a number of sleep hygiene strategies that are, have been recommended by the experts in the industry, by the Sleep Health, Health Foundation, and you know, by even ourselves to our clients. They can be really, really effective to help us get a really good night's sleep for both quality and quantity. Um, it's important to know that with these strategies, there's actually not a hell of a lot of sort of really specific evidence that tells us that these things are the best things that we can possibly do. And once again, it's it's very individualised and it you know, varies person to person as to what's going to work for you. But you know, tr- trialing and choosing any combination things such as keeping a really cool dark quiet bedroom um, is really really important I think we, you mentioned to me this morning that your apartment's on a main road and um, your bedrooms you know can be a little bit noisy in the morning when the cars are going by which means it's not very quiet that can be you know, definitely a barrier to, to good sleep um, my partner Ali loves a, a light sun-filled room and I can't stand that I need a dark room so you know that can be a bit of an issue when you're trying to I suppose, get a, get a good mix between what you prefer and what your partner prefers. Um, having a cool room is really important because when you're hot, we're just gonna wake up. Um, having a really comfortable bed and pillow, you know, mattress, that seems so obvious, but people think, oh my God, I don't wanna spend a few hundred dollars on a pillow, I don't wanna spend thousands of dollars on a mattress because it's so expensive, and fair enough it is, but like we've said a couple of times, we spend nearly a third of our lives in our bed, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're spending a few hundred or even a few thousand dollars on a pillow and mattress, something that's gonna be supportive, firm, comfortable for you, um, that's not an expense, that's an investment. You know, mm-hmm. you're spending a third of your life there, like what's a few hundred dollars at the end of the day, you've got to have a really, really comfortable setup. Um, you hear the classic ones like avoiding, avoiding the use of electronics or watching TV prior to bed. Um, once again, some people can be really stimulated by these things, some people it doesn't really bother them. Um, it might actually help you wind down. Not a lot of evidence for that, but once again, it's more of a personal preference thing. Um, there is a bit of evidence to say that things like alcohol, caffeine, and cigarettes prior to sleep, um, these things can stimulate you and and you know, off that alcohol, people might have a couple of nightcaps and it can knock them out a little bit or you sort of find yourself passing out after a, 
a big night on the Terps, JY, like you would have done once or twice, mate. But I learned this might help you get, um, get two sleep. Out, mate. Don't know what you're talking about. Well, this might help you get two sleep. It's definitely going to impact on the sleep quality and make you far less likely to get that REM sleep um, that you mentioned. Uh, going to the toilet in the middle of the night is a huge one. So if you're smashing water because you've been poorly hydrated, you know, early in the day before lunchtime and you're smashing water because your mouth's a bit sore or Throat's a bit dry, um, you know, later on in the night or after dinner, or if you get up to the other toilet in the middle of the night, that's going to impact on your sleep quality and quantity, and that can happen at all ages. So, trying to avoid excessive fluids later in the day. Um, more importantly, as well, like, you know, all these strategies, as I said, you know, some people are going to work really well with, some people are not, but you want to just create a really consistent sleep routine um, with whatever it is for you. Having a regular bedtime, having a regular routine, when you brush your teeth. If you like to read before bed, if you like to do a meditation before bed, if you like to turn off all your electronics, you know, if you like to set the temperature of your room, whatever it is that you like to do, having a really consistent sleep routine, um, evidence does show that that helps your body essentially want to regulate that sleep and actually know when it's ready every day to wind down and to switch off. And I guess like you basically touched on the same points I was going to touch on. The the important thanks for that, mate. By the way, like you. Now I can't talk and you know how much I like to listen to my voice, so... Pleasure. Cool. I might just, you know, how much repeat then, just so I can hear myself speak. <laughs> um, like I said, like the research behind most of the sleep stuff, sleep's a really hard thing to actually measure. So the one thing that the, um, they sort of base it on is like the the actual fun- like, sorry, the function, the, um, the activity of the brain. So they're looking at what the brain's doing whilst people are sleeping and sort of correlating that with what they've been doing prior to sleep or in the day or, you know, how that person sort of, um, what, like what their general lifestyle is like. And um, pretty much exactly what you touched on, it's caffeine, it's the, uh, you know, it's the alcohol, it's stimulation before bed, it's not really creating an atmosphere to sleep. I, um, I give five tips to all my clients uh, and anybody who asks me about sleep. Five practical tips. Five practical tips. Yes. So the five practical tips I have, stop caffeine before 12. So these are also these are also tips that I live my life on, so just to remind everyone. Um, practice what we preach here, Jonathan. Practice, and these are the second best tips after um, race seven at uh, Rose Hill. Um, and <laughs> What's that plan? <laughs> um, and caffeine after, uh, before 12, so have your last coffee pre that. Um, I'm actually quite religious on that. By 11.55, I will have my last coffee. And if it hasn't, you know, once 12 midday hits, I am done. So- How many coffees before 12 p.m.? Um, look, I used to have about five, and I drink all the blacks, it's bad. But well, hey. the, um, the, yeah, I've definitely, since I've, you know, budgeted, I've stopped the smash abos and the long blacks. So uh, I only have one a day. Um, the second tip that I have is to make sure that you have a wind down routine. So whether that's, like you said, some people actually do find maybe some electronics, whether it's a, you know, a movie or listen to some music or something actually does help them um, get to sleep. I personally, I read. So I do my gratitude diary, my resilience project diary, read, and then I do a Spanish lesson. Big, um, huge, huge, Spanish huge. just before bed. Yes, yeah, so I do my Spanish before bed. There's a huge correlation between um, still performing skills before bed, also practicing skills before bed and being able to retain that skill. A lot of people play guitar before bed or they um, you know, they do a bit of study because then the sleep, you actually take the time to you know, um, reaffirm that um, what you've just learned. So um, everyone's gonna be different. So one of those things might not work for another. Um, I know that I always try to avoid electronics. Um, this is tip number three. That stimulates me. That stimulates me. Like I said, some people maybe not, but 
the one sort of non-negotiable I'd say to people if they do want a good sleep is put the phone down now before bed. Get rid of the phone. I get real success in putting the phone in another room. So I went through a phase where I had an alarm clock. Uh, put the alarm clock in my room, put the phone in the kitchen, charged in there, woke up to the alarm clock. Okay, and Now my new apartment's even better because <laughs> thanks to uh, hopefully a new sponsor maybe soon we are right above them, the Hamptons Bakery. Um, great coffee, great omelets. Um, I can hear them set up at about 6.30 um, and hear the bike riders and stuff come. I'm an early riser, so for me, that actually works as a really good alarm clock. And there were four out of five days last week, minus Melbourne Cup Day, that I woke up nice and early thanks to them. So, you know, the phone out of the bedroom, well, then, sorry, the phone in the bedroom, there's almost no need for it unless you use it as an alarm clock. But then just go down to the salvos or something, you'll find a $2, you know, old school alarm clock in there. Um, so I find that that's really helpful. Like you said, number four, dark room. Um, you want your room to be a cave. So, um, you know, bring out your inner bear um, or whatever lives in a cave. <laughs> cave, cave men and women. Um, sure. You, um, you want to make sure that there's very little light. So, Ellie, sorry to say, um, sort yourself out. Um, I I hope, yeah, I was going to say, I'm on your side here, mate. Normally I'm on Ellie's side. (laughs) um, The the other things you want it to be cool. So, you know, you don't want it to be too hot. Hot heat is going to disturb sleep. Um, You know, you always, and I'm sure everybody can also probably vouch for that during the summer. Sleep a little bit worse. Um, So, I'm not saying put the air con on, but... You make the room, make sure the room an hour before bed when you're going through your wind down routine. Maybe you need to put an aircon on in the house and let the air go through, or fan, or open a window if it is something, and then go to bed with a cooler room. Don't you know? Get in there and suddenly be like, "Oh, it's real hot in here." Because you know what? You're probably now behind the eight ball in terms of setting yourself up to sleep. And number five is to stop regular drinking. So nightcaps are a really bad idea. Um, a lot of people swear by them. They say a glass of wine or something before bed, puts them to sleep. Of course it does. Like you said before, it really does um, decrease the quality of your sleep. Um, on top of that as well, obviously because alcohol is a toxin, you need to flush the toxin and that's gonna mean you're gonna get up and go to the toilet. So most underrated thing in regards to a good night's sleep is that toilet breaks do disrupt your sleep. Like once you've woken up to go to the toilet, you then have to go back into that deep REM and that's quite difficult to do. And some people can only, some people do that phone, are only in that deep REM for like 20 minutes a night. So out of, if you're sleeping for eight hours and 20 minutes of that is in deep REM, toilet break's gonna bugger that. So that's a big thing with alcohol. Uh, it's, it's, it's maybe great to get to sleep, but man, you're, you're not going to have the world's best sleep. So those are the five tips I give. I'll go through them just over quickly one more time. Stop caffeine before 12. Get a wind down routine an hour before bed. Uh, ditch the electronics um, unless they're part of your wind down routine. But like I said, no phones. Um, create a cave. Make your room a, uh, a habitat. And then uh, number five, stop that regular uh, you know, pre-bed drinking. I love it, mate. Practical takeaway tips is what we're all about. That's uh, that's fantastic. The last point I wanted to make today, Jay White, before we move on to the to the quote and the joke, um, is you know obviously we're talking about the importance of sleep and we're you know encouraging the people prioritise sleep, but prioritising sleep almost too much can also create an anxiety around sleep. Um, and I know this because I've experienced this firsthand. I've always felt rightly or wrongly that I'm someone that needs more an above average amount of sleep, um, and I was someone who absolutely did everything I possibly could to get out of sleep and, and that was great because all the time I would get out of sleep and I wouldn't rely on caffeine and have energy but 
the nights that I didn't get eight hours sleep, I had a huge amount of anxiety about how I could function the next day. You know, I remember, you know, my routine was always, you know, for years, if I had a 7 a.m. alarm, I want to be completely, you know, in bed by 10.30 and absolutely asleep before 11 p.m. And if I was awake at 5 past 11 or 10 past 11, then it's less than eight hours between then and my alarm, Mate, I was, I was livid, I was angry, I was anxious, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to function tomorrow? I'm going to be a zombie, like, what am I going to do? You know, it's going to take me three days to catch up on, like, I'm not exaggerating, like, yeah. it, was, it was horrendous. But the nature of sleep, like everything else, is it fluctuates, and we're going to have bad nights sleep. We're going to have nights where we just lie there and we look at the ceiling and we're not going to feel tired and we're going to feel a bit tired and lethargic the next day because our sleep hasn't been perfect. But that's okay, because as humans, we, we want to use these strategies and, you know, try to make this as perfect as we can, but the reality is it's not going to be perfect all the time. Um, I heard a really cool thing from a specialist sleep physician on a, on a different podcast um, just this week, actually. From hang on, hang on, can't talk about other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, a guy by the name of David Cunnington um, who appeared on the Pucker Up podcast, um, which is a really excellent podcast. Got a hockey podcast? Uh, it's not, actually. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a mental health podcast. Um, Dr. David Cunnington, as I said, is a specialist sleep physician, and he actually spoke about this this nature of sort of sleep anxiety, which really resonated a lot with me. And he said, rather than striving to get eight hours of sleep every single night, dedicate eight hours every night for sleep. And then, you know, if you get six and a half hours or seven hours or seven and a half hours of that eight hours and it's dedicated to sleep, that's okay, right? And in that extra half an hour, an hour or whatever it is that you're not sleeping, you can be restful, okay? And that's still a form of recovery and it's still gonna help you wind down and it's still gonna help you to have energy the next day. So prioritize, if, if it is eight hours for you, for sleep. And if you don't quite get it, that's cool, right? And if you're a teenager or someone younger, maybe set aside nine or 10 hours for sleep, okay? Rather than absolutely making sure that every single night you need to get that. Yeah, uh, that's a brilliant point. And the last point that I'll have is, um, I could just probably tie this onto the other stuff, but um, I find that keeping a sleep diary is a very, very handy tool. Um, I keep it on my Apple Notes. So every day when I go to bed, I put down the time that I go to basically go to try to go to sleep and then I put the time I wake up. It's the first thing I do in the morning. And um, you're able to see the trends. You're able to see like, what day it is as well. So you're able to see like what days you generally go to bed later. It's a really easy way to fix things. Um, because like you said, like I do have moments where I, well, sorry, I've had periods in my life where I have been anxious about sleep and I'd find that I couldn't sleep because my heart rate would get so high from being anxious about sleep. You know, so I don't know if anybody else has experienced uh, this out of our listeners. You know, sometimes when you are going to bed stressed, you do get like an elevated heart rate. It's that anxiety, it's the panic. I used to get that about going to sleep. So I couldn't sleep. How, like, how are you going to sleep with that? It meant that when I was keeping track of my hours of sleep and where I was sleeping, I wasn't worried about how many hours of sleep it was. I was looking more at the times. And then from the times... I was able to sort of readjust what I was doing around that. And I actually managed to create a routine that means now I don't get that anxiety around sleep. My sleep, I'll be honest, has been fucking shit ass the last couple of weeks, not because of any of this, but because I've just been going to bed too late. I've been going, you know, and seeing friends now that we can and doing these things, but I'm getting through the days because I'm actually able to get to sleep and have a pretty decent enough quality sleep because before I go to bed, I still go through this routine. So once you've got a routine that's successful for you, if you yeah. go off track every now and then, which it's normal for humans to do when life gets in the yeah. way sometimes, such as the last couple of weeks, it's been crazy for everyone in Melbourne, we can go back to that. As we, and we always can have go back to that. Mm. Exactly right. Um, beautiful, awesome chat, Jay White. We're going to end with some wisdom and some humour, as we always do. Mate, and you're the wisest man I know, so hit us off with uh, the quote of the week. Quote from me today um, goes like this Today is the best day to start anything. Stop waiting and start. 
Now, same simple, same cliche, but there's so many things in our life that we put off, right? Because the time is never perfect. The time is never perfect to start a podcast, to start a business, to start a family, to get a dog, to clean out your shed, to, you know, do whatever. Sounds right? like you're talking from experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Start a family. I always... Oh, I wouldn't get slipped in there. Calm down, mate. Calm. I hope Ellie is listening oh, to the podcast. Jesus. Um, you've lost me, completely lost my train of thought there. Oh. <laughs> we always put off things, right? Because we lead such busy lives. We're, we, lead, we, lead, we have such a stressful society right now. Like we're, all, we're all busy. Everyone on this planet is busy. So we put off things because there's no perfect time to do anything, right? Stuff that. Today's the best day to start whatever it is that you want to be doing. It's not going to be perfect for the start. Whether this is a new sleep routine, for example. Don't say, I'm going to start on my own, I'm going to start next week or whatever, because it's going to be more convenient, I'm going to have more time, or it's going to be easy then because it won't, because a hundred of my other distractions are going to pop up. Whatever you want to do, if you want to achieve something, stop waiting, do it now. I love it. Mate, this is why you're the wise man. The wise man at Bayside. Got something humorous for us, please, James. Uh, I don't know if it's humorous. Um, I'm actually just, you know what? I don't have a joke, actually. I've got a real story. So Ooh. I just want to you know, give you guys a personal story about me. Um, just in regards to my sleep. Um, so I don't know if anyone knows this, but I used to always be late. Um, I used to always be what late. Used to? Let me go on. <laughs> I used to always be late. Um, and I had to go see a doctor about it. So I went to him and I said, doctor, I'm always, I'm always late everywhere. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, is, you know, is there anything I can do? And he recommended that I start sleeping in a herb garden. And I said to him, mate, that's, Sounds really odd, but now I am always waking up on time. Oh my god.